and I'm live. I'm going to start off the solo podcast from now on, I think, with and I'm live for the simple reason that it gives me something to just say. Um, the rhymes are kind of, I don't know, sorry, Kev. Um, but I might do something about the relevance of one of the numbers, maybe just to start off, just to, just to ease in. It's almost like a, an intro of sorts into the daily one. And again, to ease the listener in and to ease me into it. So today's an easy one because it's 13 of 40, so 13. Oh, lucky for some. Some of us who aren't smart enough to know that there's nothing magical or mystical about arbitrary digits. But we do create our own reality. And if you decide for whatever reason that the number 13 is fucking haunted or spooky or jinxed or any of the above, well then that's exactly what it is. Because as I kind of keep getting back there, you create your own reality. And I used to look... I was about to say I used to look down on people. It sounds harsh when you say it out loud, um, but that's what it was, so that's what I'm going to refer to as. I used to look down on people who believed in like gods and different things, um, knowing that they didn't exist. But that's the thing. They don't exist in my life. But they do exist in theirs. Now, there's an element of delusion here. But if you buy into the whole free will and us not having any of it and the things, you're only deluding yourself to think that you even fucking formulated that that notion. And I'm leaning towards maybe the whole no free will thing. Only leaning. And I'd love to get somebody on who maybe not ideally somebody who doesn't have the answer or Ideally, yeah, ideally somebody who doesn't have the answer. I don't want to talk to somebody who's going to explain it to me so that I understand and that I agree with what they say. Because nobody understands it. It's a hotly debated, it's one of the most hotly debated topics in all of science. Not that it's debated that much, but it's just that it's so new, it's so cutting edge, it's so tip of the spear. And I'm loving this blend of science and theology, essentially. Jesus, like, anybody that knows me a long time will fucking have coughed up their dinner at me saying that there's some utility in theology. Like, I used to think it was hilarious beyond belief that theology would be taught, thought in universities. And I still do. I think it's just absolutely preposterous, absolutely ludicrous that religions were treated as a subject of study. in the manner that they have been and not as part of the psychology course because that's what they are like we look at take the bible for example because that's the thing that's probably closest to me and most people listening it was a book and it was written down and there was a lot of inaccuracies apparently and some of the things didn't check out and it was all a bit mad but within a couple of thousand years the indigenous people of Ireland, for want of a better term, or should I say the ancient people of Ireland, built Newgrange. And we don't look at that as being badly built, even though I'm sure by today's standards it is. I'm sure more work went into that than necessary. I doubt it was all that lean and enterprise. 
But we don't pick holes in it. We celebrate it for what it was. And that's what we should be doing for the Bible, celebrating it for what it was. And what I think it was, was our best understanding of the universe. And we told it in stories, because that's how we tell each other things. I'm beginning to think that the stories in the Bible are analogies, the same analogies I love so much. But there's utility in analogies. People get analogies. You explain something to somebody and you try and get them to understand it by giving them all the bit parts and all the details and all the facts and all the science. And if you teach them how to understand it well, then you might succeed in having them understand it. But not necessarily get it. They might be able to recite it, they might be able to write it down a hundred times over and kind of put it into almost muscle memory, like remember it in their fucking fingers, like they have to write it. If they can't think it, they have to write it, like in sequence, to remember it. But you give an analogy, you give a funny analogy, or a disgusting analogy, and I use a lot of star comparisons, which are analogies that are kind of reaching, they're not quite there, they don't really flesh out. And sometimes they're the best ones because they give the gist of something, the essence of something, the sentiment of something. And I keep getting back to this, this idea of the sentiment or something, or the essence of something, the, the, the fucking, the point, buried in the bottom of all the words, there's the point. And we're instinctive creatures. And what instinct is, is essentially the wisdom that's been passed down through the generations. In the same sense that a bird knows to build a fucking nest in springtime so it can lay eggs in it. And a bear goes off and eats itself silly in the summer and autumn so it can go for sleep, go asleep for a couple of months and wake up in the springtime. And salmon know to go back and birds know to migrate. and They're not told that through stories. They know that instinctively. And we've lost a lot of our instinct, I think. Our nature, because we don't live in an environment we've evolved to live in. So we live in zoos of sorts. We live in artificially constructed habitats, call them. And it's not all bad. <laughs> My solid fuel stove's class. <laughs> I fucking love my solid fuel stove. It's fucking deadly. An open fire with a door you can close over on it. And it heats the water. And it's easy to clean. Best thing ever. I've air con in my car too. So on a hot day, I've had to crank down to like 10 degrees. You catch a cold driving on here with me in the summertime. So don't get me wrong, it's not all about this artificial habitat that we've created for ourselves. Some of it's pretty fucking sweet. My couch is fucking deadly as well. Love my couch. It's so fucking comfortable. So I'm not talking about trading that for the fucking trees. Right, and sleeping on the ground. <laughs> my mattress is fucking deadly too. And this is what I don't understand about these kind of guys who go really deep down the spiritual end. 
and become enlightened. They all live in caves and they've fucking, you know, they've, they've lost all their possession and all their world, world, worldly goods. And they've found, you know, inner peace and, and all that. But I'd say it gets fucking cold in those caves at night. And I, I'd say more often than not, they're probably not quite as fucking, dare I say it, happy as I am. Not that I'm happy all the time. Not that happiness is what you should be striving for. It's fulfillment is the thing, I think. And that's what those guys miss. They miss the fucking hustle and bustle of running a business. Or having a job where... Depends on what it is. and It depends on what, how, what way you're motivated. I've spoken an awful lot about people who hate their jobs, but there's a lot of people who don't necessarily hate their jobs. Hopefully it's the majority. I reckon I've overrepresented this notion that, you know, you have to leave your job and fucking go off and do something. What if your job wasn't that fucking bad? What if you could make your job a hell of a lot fucking better? What if you could make your position class? What if you fucking strolled across your office floor, being the fucking shit? Instead of fucking, you know, running in late and hoping your manager doesn't see you. Like a fucking child. You should be starting early and finishing early. And leaning back in your chair and smiling in your fucking monthly reviews or quarterly reviews or whatever it is. Leaning back and smiling. Watching the other lad squirm in his chair as he can't fucking give out about anything because you're just nailing everything. And all he can muster is uh, a thumbs up and you keep it up there, bucko. Dopes. And you're a bigger dope if you're taking shit from some sort of a manager or if you're taking shit from anyone. You can't just magic this stuff into existence either. You can't just decide now listening to this, yes, I'm going to change everything. I'm going to fucking do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do the other. If you really want to do it, do it bit by bit. Commit to something small and just fucking do it. Commit to something really small. I, feel, I can't help but feel like I've bitten off more than I can chew with this podcast a day for 40 days. And it might well end up that I do 40 of them within the next, you know, 50 or 60 days. Because what I don't want to happen is for me to be doing them just to do them because there's people fucking listening. If this was a private thing, then yeah, every day for 40 days. And as it happens, I do do one every day for 40 days. I've been doing one every day for a long, long time as it happens. Now, there might only be five seconds here and two or three minutes there. But I've been recording myself. Because it's faster than writing it down. And to anyone that's out there, if maybe you're, again, like, I keep, I can't help but feel that if you're listening to this, that you're somewhat like me. Which is weird in a way, because A, it's weird to think that somebody like me is listening, and B, it's weird to think that other people are really all that different from me in the first place, because we're essentially all the fucking same. Like, we all have the same emotions. And I think I spoke yesterday about doing a, like a real jazzed up to music piece, a speech of some sort or some sort of creative body of work. 
And what I was thinking earlier today when I was out running was, if I do the emotions, if I do angry Frano, happy Frano, fucking sad Frano, panic attack Frano, if I do all of those and do them in one take, so from being fucking boiling blood anger to be crying, literally crying, um, to being elated all within like a three or four minutes, ad almost. If I can do something like that, I think a lot of different people will like it. I think it will be popular. Now, I'm not doing it in order to be popular. It's almost like a fucking happy byproduct. But what I think is that the angry people will fucking love the angry bit in it. And the anxious people, they might love the anxious bit in it, but they might go, Jesus, never want to fucking go down that dark. And there'll be other anxious people maybe going, fucking hell, that's a blast from the past. Remember what that's like. And there'll be somebody else who might fucking be in the middle of it. And that goes, the, that goes for the fucking elated guy, the joy guy. I haven't picked the emotions yet, but it just goes to show again, it just to, to reiterate the point that we're all the same. We all have the same emotions. We just have them in different kind of quantities, I suppose. I have a lot more anger than maybe somebody else has. And I think there's a limit. You, you've, you've got 100 and I might be 75 anger and 1% something else. And I might actually try and sit down and quantify what percentage, if there's, for argument's sake, if there's four main emotions. Maybe I try and figure out what, I am, what am I, because there's utility in equalising that. You should never be more of one than any of the other. And there's a, there's a balance. And I have a, a thought on balance that I haven't quite articulated to myself yet, but it'll more than likely come out in one of these solo podcasts. Hopefully it will. But the idea basically is that there's a balance that we have to find. Like we, and you've heard this before, this idea of you know, finding your centre. Um, I should give people fucking vomit bag warnings before I fucking say things like that. But you know, finding your centre or feeling centred or feeling balanced and... There's a yin and a yang and a fucking a left and a right and a conservative and a progressive and a night and a day and that duality is all about balance in a sense. So I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of exploring that idea a little bit more and maybe putting that into a, a kind of a production, a three minute thing. I like the idea of doing these little kind of three minute things. I'm enjoying the four hour long conversations and the fucking half hour rants. They're cool, but they're not polished. Not that you can perfect anything, but you can get things a lot sharper than what I'm doing now. Now this one has had a flowy feel to it. I hope that's fucking coming across. And as, as always, as soon as you kind of mention the idea of flow, there goes your fucking flow. Flow is something that you do. It's not something that you try to do. Flow is something that happens. It doesn't happen. You, you are it and it is you. It's just you doing. And I think, I think you're almost turning off one... In the balance thing, you have two sides and you're turning off one side and turning on the other side because you're lopsided. I feel balanced, or I think you are balanced when you're in flow. When you're not in flow, which is 
all the time messing. You're either too far on one side or on the other, but at least in the, when you're in the centre, the potential for flow is there. I think. I don't know, and that's why I'd like to polish these things, because it'd be polishing my ideas more than anything else. And speaking of ideas, I just want to flesh out that idea that just kind of sprung to mind there about balance and about you more or less being off balance most of the time. One of the kind of umbrella dualities is chaos and order. And in our lives, we typically have either too much chaos or too much order. Too much chaos being fucking, you're just on top of your head, you can't think straight, you've got this happening, that happening. You end up missing appointments because you've got so much on and you forget to meet that girl for a fucking lunch and you forget to collect your kid from crash and you for, you know, your life is in fucking turmoil and that's too much chaos. And then too much order is the complete opposite of that. When essentially nothing is going on and everything is sorted. And they're both very bad. They're both very bad, but they can also be both very good. So you can, have a, you can have an almost perfect life when everything is perfectly in order. But if, you're, if you've no chaos, you're off balance. And you, like, if there's no chaos, it's too regimented. And that's what the extreme right is. That's what radical parties are. They want it so perfect. They want it to be too perfect. They want it all their way. There's no middle ground. This is how you do it. And this is how it has to be done. There's no room for free thought, free expression, creativity, chaos, the good kind of chaos. And you can't have it all creativity and you can't have it all chaos with no order. Because then you go to bed whenever you want. And that means you stay up till five o'clock in the morning. And then you go to bed and you wake up and you're, you know, you go to McDonald's because you haven't fucking bought the groceries the day before and there's no order anywhere. And you're, you're, just a, you're a complete mess just on the other end of the spectrum. And if we can get ourselves balanced, if we can get ourselves so that we have our shit together and that the chaos in our lives is intentional chaos that we've sought. And I think that's kind of where I'm there, thereabouts now at the minute. Started a business, that was chaos for two years. Not nearly enough order. Doing deliveries you know, every day just to fucking get things going and sowing the seeds two or three times a week to make sure everything was ready. And, and it was just, it was all go all the time and no plan. But now things have kind of settled and I have my delivery dates. So when a new customer comes to me and says, can you bring it up to me you know, tomorrow? you know, a big order of stuff, I say, well, no. And when they say, why? I go, well, I don't deliver to you on that day. Listen, if you're stuck, I'll do you a big favour and I'll bring it to you. But you'll fucking owe me for that because I don't deliver on Wednesdays. And when you have that kind of control over your life and everything is kind of settled a little, the kid's in a good school, he's going to be there for a couple of years, the business is bringing in a steady income, it's got new avenues feeding out of it that are kind of searching new markets and spreading your risk. 
you're looking at employing people, not letting people go. Herself is a steady job. There's money there for the rainy day. I think before I started this podcast, there was a little bit too much order in my life. I was going training every day, running or, well, mostly running, swimming maybe. Had my job, you know, it was a year and a half in, say, so for six for a six month period, everything was kind of perfect. But it was too perfect, it was too orderly, I was bored. I was like, oh fuck. So I sought out a bit of chaos. And that manifested itself in this podcast, which has been fucking brilliant. And it's actually energised me in relation to my business because it's just energised me in general. And hopefully I'm energising people that are listening to me. I appear to be. Which is fucking brilliant. It's so fucking cool. Hearing from people that, you know, you've just made an improvement. There mightn't be anything massive, but just to hear that they're enjoying listening. And for, you know, 20 minutes or half an hour a day and then for two or three hours or four, once a week, you know, they're, they're interested and they're learning something and it's something new and different and maybe a little bit of exciting and, you know, they're enjoying it. And to think that you've added that to somebody's life is just fucking, so fucking cool. And to think that you've been doing it essentially for selfish reasons. I do this for me, like, as much as I do, well, more, far more than I do it for anyone else. It's a very, very, very selfish endeavour. I've learned fucking loads about myself and about other people. I'm making friends. I'm fucking on the phone to different people. It's, you know, it's fucking brilliant. And I've never had that. Because as it might sound strange, I'd be quite an introverted person. Remember, my conversations are one-on-one. And I do solo ones. Every fucking day. So you could be forgiven for thinking that I was this big fucking extroverted person because I have a podcast and I'm the host and I'm this or whatever, you know? Quite the contrary. But I'm enjoying it and I hope you guys are too. And I can't hear enough from as many of you. Where are you listening? Why are you listening? Maybe you love all the spiritual stuff. Maybe you couldn't care less. Maybe you miss the sound of fucking Irish people talking. Maybe I'm fucking igniting something in you. Because without hearing from different people who are feeling different ways, I can't really know what this whole thing is about. Because I, 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 the more I think about it, the more I'm beginning to think that it's, it's kind of user-generated. And I'm very much becoming of the opinion that I'm going to open source it. The idea being that the movement or whatever it is, and that's the other thing, the reason that I've struggled to kind of encapsulate what this thing is, is because it doesn't know what it is. It itself doesn't exist. It only exists in the people that embody it and embrace it and, and, and do it. So I've been thinking again more and more, kind of formulating this idea that it's a, a culture of sorts. And what I like about that is, or that notion, is that there's no leader of a culture. 
I might have initiated this thing called Off The Lead, but I love the idea of it taking on a fucking whole world of its own and surviving absent me. So if you're in Australia or America or somewhere else in Ireland or anywhere and you like the idea of recording a conversation with you and a friend of yours, do it under the Off The Lead banner. By all means, that's what I'm thinking. Open source the whole fucking thing. And I'll be, it'll, my one would be off the lead with Fran Kion. Your one might be off the lead with fucking whatever your name is. If you're liking this whole concept and you want to embrace it, if you want to do your own, do your own. But this might be a kind of, almost a, not a sneaky option, but a, an incremental step maybe. Maybe you're thinking of doing your own one. Maybe you love the idea of doing your own one, but you, for whatever reason, you just, you just, you're not sure about too much. You don't know what it's going to be called. You don't know the name of it. You don't know how, how you're going to go about it. And you're just, you know, there's too much up in the air. There's too much chaos. Well, what I'm offering you per, perhaps is a little bit of order. So just do as I do until you become yourself. Grow into it. I'm very much becoming myself. I don't know what I am. I have, a, I have an idea what I am, but again, another almost transformational aspect of doing this podcast is that I'm just challenging myself so much. And it's fucking class to, to do that and to put yourself out there. And in essence, this is my little brother's doing. Because he is a campaign, uh, you face, I have to get him on. But... He talks about you, you being Y-E-W, your emotional well-being. And I'm not going to go into what it is because I'll let him explain that. He'll come on and he'll talk about it. But he promotes this philosophy that he calls nothing, having nothing to hide and has a hashtag, hashtag nothing to hide. And that, in a way, is what I am, what I am embodying in these solo podcasts. Like, I'm fairly putting myself out there to be knocked down like do you know that kind of way like I'm, a, I'm very much exposing myself to the world and that's because I've got nothing to hide so I'd love for him to come on and maybe flesh that out a little bit more and get you down the having nothing to hide mindset and I'll chat you tomorrow <laughs>